Good afternoon, morning, whenever you're listening to us. Welcome to the Professional Insights Podcast. Uh, it is episode 43. You got uh, it. I'm Brandon Curry. I'm Jeff Collins. Josh Bond. And Trevor Lindy. Um, so we, you can uh, listen to us on uh, every major platform. Major platforms. Today's a great day to do it, too. It's snowmageddon here in oh, Niagara. Yeah. Oh, yeah, of course. We have yeah. an inch of snow on the ground, and everything's at a, a standstill. Good it. time to binge listen. Yep. That's right. 43 yeah. podcasts you can listen to today. <laughs> Unfortunately, um, nobody's going to hear this until April. Yeah, Hopefully, right. it's nice out. <laughs> yeah. We've already experienced April chirping. Fools. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Leaves are playing. So um, here's on one the for, golf course. Here, here's one for us. Uh, this is to pretty much uh, all three of you, but mainly uh, to Trevor as the lead, and then and then Collins nice. can can uh, uh, pipe. Collins in. talks enough. So la- yesterday, Trevor talking. Yesterday, I had the pleasure of being invited to um, Niagara College to present in front of uh, Neil Thornton. Little Neil Thornton know. came in Thornton Group. Yep. Uh, from the Thornton Group, he and great, then he afterwards he. Uh, he asked uh, me to come in and, and present on finances and stuff like that, which is a huge gap. And then so before that, we put out our podcast to the entire class. And the, out of 88, I think, like 60 of them said that they subscribed. and, and Really? To, yeah. Nice. Listen to a couple of our episodes. That's why our listings are jumping up all of a sudden. Yeah. It? So it, nice. was, it was really good. So then, They only listened to a couple, though. Um, so anyway... Uh, after after the the, the, the presentation, uh, a student pulled me aside and she goes, uh, "Hey, listen." Um, she's like, "I just um, can I get your autograph?" Was what yeah, she said, yeah, right? right. <laughs> I just declared uh, bankruptcy about two and a half years ago. Uh, I'm working my way out of bankruptcy right now, and I said, "Okay." So uh, obviously, under the seven years, my um, partner uh, did some funky things with EI, and he now has been ca- he got caught. And he uh, basically some uh, an EI fraud yeah. uh, got caught, and obviously he's got this massive whack against his credit. So the the question was, um, and Trevor, if you want to chime in, um, I'll do my best. If, if she goes and wants to buy a home, does he a have to be on the home? Is the first question. Does no, he ha- no. So if she has the financial ability to do it herself, she can. Yes, and be and therefore be. It doesn't apply, uh, like, it, his credit rating would not have a negative impact on her if she can carry the mortgage herself. Correct. But she just came through bankruptcy, right? She just came through bankruptcy. Declared so it. then, so Trevor, can you just, then let's take them down the yellow brick road for this Yeah. One. So within that uh, six to seven years, the reason I say six to, six to seven is Equifax, it will fall off of your credit bureau, provided you've only been bankrupt once. <coughs> Excuse me. Uh, TransUnion, however, it will stay for to uh, for that extra year for the full seven years. The big question that I always have for somebody, whether it be a consumer proposal or bankruptcy, was real estate named in the um, what's the right word I'm looking for in the proposal or, or in the uh, uh, the bankruptcy documents? If real estate was uh, named in it, uh, I hate to say it, you know the creek without a paddle uh for like how long trevor is that that indefinitely couldn't be indefinitely right but not indefinitely so if if the property was default insured then technically yeah that's going to be forever so unless you can come up with 20 percent or more in those instances it's it's pretty difficult to qualify for a home otherwise 20 percent you could though Potentially with twenty percent, you could. Would that be uh, higher interest rate at that at that point too? Or no, you, you're you're going to have to go to a, a different lender than what that lender was. So just to to 
okay. you know, make an argument here or, or, or put some, uh, put some actuals to it. Let's say your mortgage was with TD and it was default insured. Uh, you declared bankruptcy. At, technically, there is a chance. Let's say it was CMHC insured. There is a chance that you could theoretically buy with less than 20% down and hope that you have a lender that will go to either Canada Guarantee or CMHC as the default insurer uh, and not go to TD. So let's use, say, Scotia Bank as the example. Now I take your mortgage to Scotia and we try and get it to Genworth or Canada Guarantee. Uh, if the bankruptcy is still showing up on your credit bureau, though, there is a high likelihood that the default insurers and the lenders are going to ask to see a copy of the bankruptcy documents. So it's really, really difficult at that point when real estate is named, because as soon as it gets uh, you know, in front of them. And let's say Genworth is in this example with Scotia Bank is now looking at it. Scotia is kind of a bad example because they won't do bankruptcy. Uh, it has to be discharged for seven years. But uh, anyways, back to the um, the point about now Genworth sees the document. Genworth will forever know that you were past bankrupt and there was real estate loss on that. What about with a cosigner? Doesn't matter. Cosigner doesn't help for bad credit. And TD's probably not ever looking at you again. TD will, yeah. So anytime, like Meridian Credit Union, they'll if you are bankrupt with Meridian Credit Union, they will never, ever Black touch fault. you. Yeah, 100%. I've actually known a circumstance where I have a client uh, that was past bankrupt and didn't have anything with TD, oddly enough. Uh, or I should, excuse me, not TD, Meridian Credit Union. They had, uh, they did have something with, with Meridian that they made good on. They did not name it in their bankruptcy. They paid it in full. Uh, and Meridian still, and I, and I don't mean to be calling out Meridian. They're a great partner of mine. Uh, but Meridian in that instance still to this day, even though it's been 14, 15 years now for that client, Meridian won't touch that client. They, because they too, know too that it happened in in that individual's past, so they have no interest in. And, and fair enough. I mean, money. once once bitten, twice shy. Yeah, I mean, you can't you can't you can't fault them for that. Well, it client, depends client on the. Comes s- to any one of us doesn't pay us. Right. How are you going to take them on? Are we next time they come around to work for a Yeah, I, guess right. I never yeah. thought of that way. They didn't pay me for. Yeah. yeah. Right. It depends on the circumstances. Right. What life event happened for that individual? Sure to have caused them to be bankrupt. Were they previously self-employed and the business failed? That's a different circumstance, right? Or are they just a general citizen, no business dealings, and they mismanage their funds? Way different story, right? And that's why also when it comes to a second second bankruptcy, uh, it lives for 14 years. Oh, I didn't know that. So the second time you go bankrupt, it lives on your bureau even longer. How many right? times did Trump uh, declare bankruptcy? <laughs> that's U.S. and totally, totally different. So yeah. can't and that's uh, corporation yeah, too. Yeah, and, so I can't really speak that to. That's speak more a strategy that. in the states, I think. Yeah, than potentially anything. right, but uh, yeah. So to to that uh, that individual in uh, uh, Neil Thornton's class that was asking that question, it's it's one of those things, right? Depends on the circumstances. I can tell you that the institutions that will look at a borrower with uh, um, with past bankruptcy wants to see major credit reestablished. And when I say major credit, most institutions that are going to go and lend the money want to see that you have 
a credit card with a major FI. So one of the big six, uh, I don't even want to, I shouldn't even say one of the big six because National Bank, they really don't look at, they're going to look to RBC, TD, Scotia, BMO, and CIBC that you've established credit with them. Um, you know, the, the individual asking the question may have a Capital One card, and I hate to say it, but, uh, um, or anybody else listening, Capital One, although a great way to reestablish credit, institutions don't really hold Capital One in high regard. My argument that I always say to those institutions is Capital One is a great card in respect to they take a chance on that somebody that's had bad credit. They're allowing them to reestablish. And I can tell you that Capital One is going to be the first if they default and they have poor repayment history, they're going to be the first to report to the credit bureau. I, you know, in my past life have seen where, you know, Scotiabank, not knocking them, but uh, the credit bureau reports that the the client has had A1 repayment. And then we're looking on the internal system at Scotia and they've been, they've had the credit card for 60 months and 40 of those months have been late at least 30 days, but they've never taken the time to report it to the credit bureau. So question for you, if you've got a potential client sitting there who's on the fence about declaring bankruptcy because they're that close, so they have to, or that's the quickest remedy for their situation, in, what would you recommend to them? In Any? my 11 years doing this, I have only ever turned around to a client once and told them that I believe they should go bankrupt. Okay. It was an 80-something-year-old woman. I was working at a bank at the time. And, you know, for the two years that I was at the bank, she turned around and came to me every six months to see if she could make right for her debt and try yeah. and do a debt consolidation loan. But it was just credit card debt that had mounted. She couldn't uh, couldn't get around it. She only had CPP and old age security. And I turned to the woman and, I, and she was renting. And I said, listen, like, enjoy the last years that you have of your life. Like, why? Well, she's in her 80s, yeah, yeah. right? Don't give me that look. It's good for 20, 25 years, you don't know. She, it could be. Yeah. But, she's you know, at the, smoothies. at the rate she was going, like literally Robin from Peter to pay Paul, that she would she would pay a credit card and take a cash advance on that credit card oh, to pay no. the next one, to pay the next one, to pay That's the next brutal. one, to then when she got to the fifth credit card, she, pay, she bought her groceries with it yeah. because her CPP and old age security was eaten up by her phone bill mm -hmm. and her rent. She had nothing else. She she had she needed this credit card, these credit cards. So this to is live the problem, of. though. You've got these clients, and they're say the younger clients, and they're like, we can't rub two nickels together. We got to declare bankruptcy. But you're saying fight for everything you got. Well, because, fight for the house because you're not. Gonna... A lot of times you fight for the house. Yeah, yeah. Like the and, real estate and that's is an why... important piece, and as long as you're satisfying the lending institution as it relates to that house, mm -hmm. you, I believe you can carve out that asset. Okay. Because yes, you're I always have... being good. To the lender. Yeah. yeah. So the lender's saying, well, no, no. Because you know, in Canada, bankruptcy really kind of cripples you for future endeavors as far as house ownership and stuff, right? It, and, and it could impact you for business related. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. So um, I couldn't do what I do if I was previously bankrupt. Brandon Same. couldn't do the, no, I couldn't. couldn't do his I profession couldn't, either. I couldn't build. Right? Yeah. You have to be bondable. Right? You got to be bondable. Yeah. 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 Good one. Um, Ha ha! Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, no pun intended. Uh, no so uh, then, what led to this question as well? This is more maybe directed towards. Um, uh, I, I I think I knew the answer, but uh, Bond. Basically, she goes, "Okay, I, I I'm I'm with my partner, and uh, I I've bought the house myself. I've been able to secure financing, et cetera, et cetera. Um, we, you know, uh, 
fifty percent of uh, marriages and matrimonial home. Another fifteen percent. But now uh, you, you uh, keep saying partner. Are they married? Legally married? Or I, are they're they legally, common law? They're legally common law. Okay, because there's two different. There's, that's a so big then, so then we have to go down that yellow Correct. brick road. Correct. So, uh, which is, she goes, our, we have a dissolution of, of the partnership. So go down marriage and go down common law for me. And does, does he get access to that matrimonial home? I believe, I'm, I'm not a family law lawyer, but from a, from a conveyancing perspective or a land transfer perspective, you need spousal, spousal consent to do anything with respect to a property one way or the other, regardless of whether the spouse is on title, now I'm talking about either churched or common law or, or, or uh, justice of the peace, so they're married, you need your married spouse's consent to mortgage, to transfer, to do anything with respect to the property, if the property's only in your name. If your common law spouses and that property's only in your name, you don't need anything. Right, so technically you can sell, you can remortgage, you don't need your common law uh, spouse's partner's consent. Um, there are something that comes in after uh, three years that will will trigger different rights to the to the common law spouse. Oh, three years, eh? Yeah. That's interesting. It, it's odd because um, for land transfer tax purposes, I'm going to screw this up because I don't have my paperwork. For one of them. Um, Two lawyer rule, it's 12 months, and I think for land transfer tax purposes, it's three years. Because so if you're living different, together, different, different, especially uh, if you have a child together, and they have, a child, they, yeah. they have a child together. Yeah. So but um, so that kind of solidifies right? the common law. But uh, it's, it's against the law. You have to file as common law after 12 months of living together. That's yep. the law. Mm-hmm. Um, and what a lot of people don't understand also is uh, that, yes, we say 50, 55% of marriages, but common law dissolutions are not tracked in Canada. So it's actually closer to 65 to 70% of partnerships actually dissolve. Yeah. Um, now, so- now, the common law spouse, you know, depending on the circumstances, whether the property was owned before, how the property was acquired, things like that will come into to play, but it's not to say that the common law spouse is carved out from any entitlement from from the property, right? No, I'm, not, I'm not that, saying it, it, after it's a different story. It's right? a different now, story. Is, yeah. af- is that after three years of being in that matrimonial home or three years together, any property acquired during that partnership is then considered to be under the common law? No, I'm not even talking about three years, Brandon, because I, there's case law. I remember back in law school reading a case where a lady established that they were common law after six six months having lived together, right? right? So there's no hard and fast rule in terms of what's going to get you past that benchmark to get you recognition for common law. A lot of times people say a year. Again, people use that as a benchmark, uh, but really it depends on the circumstances, the children involved, uh, what's going on between the parties. Okay. Uh, okay. So generally speaking, a year. Right. Um, but again, in law... When we're looking at it as lawyers, there's two different uh, kind of legislated common law recognitions for common uh, um, common law spouses. Right. One's after 12. Right. One's after uh, three years. And, okay. and both contemplate uh, uh, 
the situation and if there was a child. So right? yeah, so that, adoptive or otherwise. So that's that that's a really interesting piece. That's that's really good. So I thought that that would be something to go on with with regards to that. Um, well, it's good I'd, because it was an inquiry from one of our fans. Right? Yeah, yeah absolutely. So, and we got to right answer up. more of these, so that's what no, we're looking I mean, for. No, I mean the class was phenomenal. They were they were yeah. great. They're well engaged and that's uh, the Thornton bunch. group class, right? That's the Thornton he group was, class. He was yeah, impressive he was awesome. speaker. Yeah, we should have him back on actually. Um, and then Jeff, I also brought up too that the you know the stat that the vast majority of people because there's a couple of realtors that were listening in. Sorry, nice. a couple of kids. Uh, I use the term kids. Sorry, I don't mean that. Uh, just more of a descriptive. Students. Students is what I meant to say. Um, that want to be realtors. Ooh. Okay, and uh, there's a couple of them that put up their hands that they want to be realtors, which caused them to tune in and you know listen to yourself. Um, I guess maybe for maybe the next podcast. Yeah. Um, we can chat about it, but just in, in, I brought up the stat. What would you say? Close to ninety percent of the people that reach out to you to go to go house hunting mm-hmm. um, do not have pre-approved credit. Like, don't have pre-approved mortgages with them. No, usually I'm the first step that they call and say, "I want to look at a house, want to buy a house," and that's typically because I'm been in it for well sixteen years now. The first yeah. call as well before we go shopping. Let's make sure you got money and. That's where, Trevor Lindy, that's, that's where Trevor Lindy. So then Trevor in, gets a, a little text that's got their contact information. He calls me and says, okay, what do I got to do? And we talk about them, and that's where it starts. Because I, I always kind of use an a, a example of when I worked at Future Shop, and we had someone come in, and they wanted to buy. I said, okay, do you have the money to buy? Right. Do you need to secure financing? Because they did a lot of the payments. Go to the front of the desk, make sure you get the money. So if you can't go shopping, don't assume you can afford a certain amount or even get a mortgage or know how much you can buy. And then you got to give them to a... A trusted advisor, which Trevor is, and he can say, um, "This is what you can afford," and he can even say, "Well, how much do you want to spend?" You don't have to necessarily go to your top limit, too, uh, but he's good to tell you that stuff too. So it starts with Trevor. Usually, Perfect. a phone call to me first, but Trevor, Trevor's the first person to talk to. Well, we'll wrap up this episode, and that leads us into probably the other question that I received from one of the students. If you don't mind answering that as well, like for the next podcast, yeah, for the next podcast, yeah, sure, right? tease it. That's good. Woo. All right. Uh, Thanks very much, everyone, for listening. Uh, uh, I'm Brandon Curry. I'm Jeff Collins. Josh Bond. And Trevor Lindy. Uh, Please uh, share, care, and uh, listen to us on all the platforms. Really appreciate it. And thank you to our sponsor, Brand Boulevard. Don't forget to leave us a review, too, if you're coming to us from iTunes. And if you want to be our sponsor, please call us. Help us help you stay informed. Ciao. Out. Hi, I'm Emily Roger, and I host a leadership show called The Boiling Point with my co-host, Dave Vale. Together, we sit down with trailblazing entrepreneurs, thought leaders, and movement makers who are driving meaningful change in our world. The show is all about exploring the lives and perspectives of leaders who are making a difference. Join us for insightful conversations that challenge the status quo, spark new ideas, and inspire you to take action. Find us on Apple, Spotify, YouTube, or at BoilingPointPodcast.com. The Podcast Super Friends is a monthly meeting of five podcast producers. Hi, I'm Catherine O'Brien from Branch Out Programs in Baton Rouge, Louisiana. I'm John Gay from Jagged Detroit Podcasts. I'm Matt Kundle from the Sound Off Podcast Network. I'm David Yes from Pod 617, the Boston Podcast Network. And I'm Johnny Peterson from Straight Up Podcasts. Together, they form the Podcast Super Friends, an alliance of podcast masterminds sharing best practices, insights, and discussions to help make you a better podcaster. Follow or subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, 
or at soundoff.network. Hey, 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 hey. Produced by Cryer Media and distributed by the Sound Off Media Company.